Radiant, conscious, prosperous. These are the qualities of a luminous way of life, where thriving means syncing up with nature's wisdom and biorhythms. Your bioluminosity is a barometer for health, a gauge for true prosperity and balance, and luminous possibilities abound us. In this podcast, we offer empowering perspectives from many fields in medicine, esoteric and ancient wisdom, and subtle energy arts and sciences. Explore pathways for creating greater fulfillment within yourself and communities around you through our shared dialogues, methodologies, and experiences. Find inspiring attunements to your own optimal living roadmap with integrative health practitioners, artists, and conscious entrepreneurs. If you're looking for a direct experience, visit our online directory and connect with a professional today to feel more on purpose, heart open, and prosperous. Today, I've got a guest on today. His name is John Eden. He is a prolific poet. Okay. There it is. <laughs> with That's it. Way, way too little likes on Instagram. Way too little. And he has a lot of beautiful things to say. Always, I always enjoy his time together, mm. our time together. Hey, John, how you doing today? I'm wonderful, Keenan. Thank you for that lovely introduction. I have 70 followers on Instagram. It's a, it's a crying shame. It should be like, yeah, at least at least 10,000 times that, but I'll give you that 70 followers. Uh, you know, it's kind of a lot. How long I have just you been, went on, public. been on the thing for? Well, I just went public with it, so I took it out of private for fun. And cleaned it up a bit. I, I cleaned it up and and I have this curiosity about opening it up. I've only, I think I've only been on Instagram just over a year. Yeah. It's a funny thing. I mean, because it, it's not really necessary in a lot of ways. I mean, you, you've got a, a thriving thing going on right now and you have 70 followers and it's just, you know, a little bit of a misnomer to think that we need to have everything going for us on social media as a coach. Yeah, no, you don't. It really is my spot to amuse myself with poetry. With I call it, it's more, for me, they're more like verses. Like I'm writing, I, I call it, my Bible is basic instructions before letting, before love enters fully into your life. So for me, these are the verses that I hear in myself of my own journey into the dance of experience and sharing like an experience with with a with a context that for me I hope is is seducing people a bit into getting curious curious about what's what how how are they creating their moment to moment experience that's the biggest turn on for me. When somebody goes like, I'm doing this, I'm doing this to myself. Holy shit. That's your turn on. <laughs> I'm like, oh yeah. <laughs> my work here is done. <laughs> yeah, that's 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 the moment, isn't it? Where we we have a pivot to half degree, one degree, and it changes our lives. Mm. And it's those insights, yeah. Well, tell tell me about it. I mean, what's one of those uh, insights you've been having lately, or what's something that has come through in your life 
to start off this conversation, I, I just want to mention a little bit about what we're going to be talking about today Yes, to the audience here. We've titled this episode, Completing the Game of Codependency and Self-Sabotage. And John's going to su support us in receiving a transmission on cultivating greater self-sovereignty. And we're, we're going to take a beautiful meandering through what it's like to crush this codependency game and crush is not really the right word i think that you you know it's probably not what you would use you said completing the game of and i, I think it what it draws up in me is this kind of like what i always enjoy about you and your conversations john is that you have a way of approaching a subject matter or a, an aspect of human experience that just brings a little more light and love into it or it, it, but but you're not willing to go into the dark places so yeah i mean again you know this idea we were just talking about with words and how they do such a uh non-justice to to explaining things sometimes i hope the message was conveyed there yeah tell tell me a little bit about tell us a little bit about some insight maybe that you you've been having lately or it feels like you've got something on your heart right now to share so we can start with that thank you Kina. i do like the word crush when it comes to codependency because at, at the heart of it for me is attachment and and i don't look at attachment as a bad thing i look at attachment as a wonderful way for me to create a certain experience for myself so my current partner, I have consciously attached to her and been open about that. Like, I'm going to attach to you and I'm going to suffer. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and why don't we, why aren't we just more open about all that with each other? You know, I mean, instead we, we, we do a lot of hiding out and, and kind of playing like that's not happening. I mean, I have, and I know my partners have and on some level, but isn't it nice to just be kind of blatantly playful and outwardly expressive about what's really going on? I mean, I've, I've watched you and your, your partner may, you know, go about this dance a little bit and, and it's, it's been really beautiful to watch you too. Thank you. It's so, it's been intense for me because it's it's i've realized i have developed a deep fear of endings yeah i feel that one too which which fundamentally is this concept of death or oblivion or annihilation and I was presented as a young child, those concepts as absolute truth. And I believed it. Through the, the context and lens of Christian upbringing. Yeah. Through yeah. severe, like severe Christianity where everything was coming to an end. And so I, I, I attached, I really it's a fascinating paradox because at the same time I attach to a very ethereal spirit other other like the higher dimensions became my safe place angels non non-physical beings were 
my private world. And so I, I had conversations with what people would say was imagined friends, but the light would talk to me and beings would come in and introduce themselves to me. And I would have these out of body experiences, but being in my body, being around my parents and being in the church was pure hell for me. So I had these two worlds. And it's and interesting how, hmm. how it, whatever life is presenting it, 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 to us seems to necessitate the opposite. If, if we, mm -hmm. whatever we're getting, mm. there needs to be a balance. Yes. It's so good. And I remember at eight being told, hearing, you're going to forget for a while. Us. Mm. Interesting and this is did. and and this is going to be rough and your father's going to initiate you into the matrix of separation your father's going to introduce you to the dark side and he did and i remember the day i remember the feeling of the totality of a sense of separation from love mm. like right here in my solar plexus like like, like an arrow or a sword put right through my solar plexus, severing my spine and not being able to breathe anymore. And every night, fearing death, fearing falling asleep, I would like try to catch that moment. It's such an interesting thing when you give it consciousness, like the moment you fall asleep, it's such a strange thing because it, it, it kind of just happens and you're out. And I was, I was concerned that if I fall, fell asleep, I would either not ever wake up and go into oblivion or I would wake up in hell, in a, in a hellish existence. But I already was, this is the thing, I was already in hell. Well, I was really in a purgatorial state of mind because I'm sort of in between. I, I, know, I know that there's a heaven, I know that there's angels, I know all that's true. I feel the hell around me of what I I've been told is true. And I also believe that. And then I feel in between. I feel caught in between. Does this make sense? I don't know if it's still recording. I'm like, Keenan, everybody's just me now. <laughs> That's my podcast now. Keenan's gone. I've got a lot of sun today. Hope you guys like the hair. Hopefully, Keenan will be back. But I lost him. Keenan, come back. We back. We're back. So I believe the last thing we were talking about was 
it was, you were describing a moment falling asleep. Sleep, sleep was a, I feared when I was a child up until now, you know, I could say, I'm going to make sure I use my words appropriately here and be conscious of them. When, as a kid, I believed that, that falling asleep was a, an act of vulnerably opening yourself up to damnation. At least when I was awake, I had a choice. Is what I believe. Falling asleep meant I had no choice. So when you lose unconscious, then you, you have no choice. No choice. Which is which is kind of <laughs> kind of points to a truth, right? I mean, we have choice and then we don't. I mean, mm-hmm. so me, yeah, there's a fear there. So I, I'm curious how you're tying this into codependency and self-sabotage. How do you yeah, if we were if we yeah, if we were to tie it back to that, mm-hmm. what what made you feel into this topic about? The fear well, of getting, elimination. Yeah, so I'm getting to attachment. So, so, mm, so the mm-hmm. attachment is the root to me of codependency and self sabotage, and it's what I attach to. To be dependent on conscious, to recognize I am, the fact, the one fact I am, and my I amness is is the conductor of my consciousness. That's a fact. When I recognize that, there's, there's my attachment, there's my, my fact, my truth. Well, to me, what attachment leads me to is truth. The truth is I am completely dependent upon the fact that I am aware. Now I can relax. And I can choose my attachments to form, to things, to ideas and concepts consciously. When I'm, when I'm running fear, when I'm, when I'm denying that I am and that I am conscious and that I create my moment-to-moment experience, I am automatically attaching to outcomes, to people, to circumstances, and therefore suffering and playing in codependency and self-sabotage with them. For me, it's really simple. And there's nothing wrong with codependency and self-sabotage. Like, who do you know that hasn't played that well? Like yeah, it's so shameful what, to be so codependent. Why, yeah, and so why do we bring that shame to it? Why why do so many of us feel guilty or shameful or have such a fear, I think, around that? You know, like I just don't want to be codependent. I, I even know in my own system, it's if there's a sense of me being codependent or I've got some friends around it and, and there's a moment we share, and that's you know, it's like, oh yeah, the codependent patterns, you know, and there's that kind of tinge, you know, in the inflection of that person's voice of how that's wrong and how that you know no one you you wouldn't want to have that and i just love how you started things off with such an embrace of that you know just all right i'm going to become attached to you and play codependent games and that's going to cause me great suffering and And i'm going to do it consciously yeah and i'm going to do it consciously right yeah which is really the big difference Mm -hmm. and it seems like that's also what you're highlighting here is like whether the, whatever it is happening in our life, you know, whether we fall asleep or we don't and we're awake, you know, it's still, it's still happening. Um, so as much, I think as much consciousness and, and awareness we can bring to that, I mean, 
that that to me feels like where we're we have our power it seems like that's kind of what you're touching on too is i might as well just be real with it or or realize that that my awareness is allowing me to have this this governance self-governance yes and, and what more, more is it than that i mean i'm not sure how much other choice that we do have because there's there's that kind of I feel like we're getting in this really interesting dance between like free will and then like the will of God, you know, and, mm -hmm. and it's, it's kind of like, well, which one do you really go by? Do I go by my free will? Like I've got this will power to, to make choices, to make things happen. I can move my body through space and time. And, and then I can create outcomes that, that I may define beforehand. Mm -hmm. And that's me willing my way through the universe and then there's this whole other intent of the world and of the universe, and you could call it God's will, or you could call it the the will of this larger intelligence or source or creator, prime creator, whatever it is. And I mean, to me, like there's like the dance between the two of those is this interesting paradox where we, it's almost like, to me, they're the surrender to the larger cosmic and universal will power is so elating and ecstatic. Because when you realize that your I amness is not just personal, it is that, then you realize how much greater your capacity is, mm -hmm. and how yes. you don't have you don't have to will it on this personal level. You can actually, you can actually let go. You can surrender. Yes. You can go to sleep, and you can relax, and you can wake up, and you can relax because it's always kind of this undercurrent that's available to us as this I amness. And then at the same time, with the free will, we, it, we like it's almost like there's the choice to then surrender to that or not. So, so I wonder what choice we're making, right? Because I find that the times where I when I when I recognize my choice and I recognize my sovereignty, I have I, I realize my free will. I realize that I have choice. If I were to not realize that, I would be in this self-made prison. Yes. But the thing, but the 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 catch, I guess, is that, and when this is just what my perception of it is at this point, is just that with that choice, I may perceive some level of control that I don't have, or maybe I don't even want. Mm -hmm. If I were to recognize the that that there's this other will of the universe that that in the moment that i'm attempting to control anything with my free will i could all i could just choose to surrender to something larger that wants to move through me and yeah i don't, I don't know where this is leading but it i just feel it's so empowering to find that because it feels so good to relax into our experience and so even if i'm expressing some codependent pattern whatever you know, I'm I'm surrendered to whatever pattern is presenting itself and running out and playing through me, which is also another kind of layer of how this universe is playing out as well. It's like that pattern didn't necessarily come from me. It came from my parents and it came from their parents and then all the way down the ancestral line. Mm. And it so happens that my soul probably wanted to come in and resolve certain elements of my soul history and past experiences, perhaps past lives that made it made it a lot of makes a lot of sense why i would choose that yes but it's not always so fun i think until you realize maybe 
this whole game that's at play. Yeah, because otherwise it can it can be very serious, and it feels like yes. not a game. It feels yeah. like and this is why death. people kill themselves. I believe that. I, I believe that it, a, a person out there who kills themselves believes they have no choice other than that one. And and they they authentically believe that this is the best thing for them. Yeah. So the question I always ask myself, am I doing my best? Yes. Can I do better? Yes. Yeah, I can do better. It feels very and honest, to, very real. Yeah. And to do Realistic. better is to say, am I willing or am I as conscious of what all's at play here? And how curious am I to get conscious? Because to get conscious for me represents to the willingness to become vulnerable. And say, hey, I recognize a codependent pattern arising in me right now. And, and this is where I would like to cast you in the role of helping me get rid of this feeling, which will only perpetuate our codependency. Would you like to do that? No. They might say, or sure. Or what do you mean? And then I'll go, okay, I'm recognizing right now. I... So, so I want to offer people this and, and I'm going to offer you this. I want to offer this to you both playfully and cautiously. There, there is the easiest cue to codependency for yourself. Now, the temptation is going to be to use this on other people. Done it. It works. But for me, the, the most all tools, when I use them here first, they really serve me fundamentally. When you hear someone say, or you say, I feel like, that's coming from codependency. And it's never typically followed up with, I feel, I feel like I'm sad. You don't, you don't hear people say, I feel like you're, you always hear, I feel like you don't really, I feel like they, I feel like this, that's codependency. Plain and simple. So for me, one of the conscious things that I can do and it, but again, it requires consciousness and vulnerability is to say, I'm feeling fear. I'm feeling scared. I'm feeling distrustful. I'm feeling like I want to run away. I'm feeling like I want to attack you. I'm feeling like you don't understand me. I'm feeling like I'm losing this relationship because of what you're saying. And here's what I'm hearing. Here's the thought that I'm thinking. Here's the feeling that I'm feeling. And then, and then if you're willing to go really vulnerable and here's what I, and here's what I want, here's what I want to think. Here's what I want to feel. Here's what I want with you. That to me requires love to even go there. Your heart has to be open. So my practice daily is <clears throat> okay, heart, I don't have to open you. I don't have to love anyone. I'm so loved and lovable and loving. I don't have to love anyone. I don't have to give two shits about love. I could be the world's greatest asshole today. I could be ruthless today. And, and some days, um, to be honest with you, I choose that path. Some days I'm like, fuck love. 
I'm going, if somebody talks to me or calls me today, I'm, I'm going to first, I do this, I do do this. I'll tell them I'm in a mood. And I, I wouldn't consider this mood loving. So if you want to keep talking to me, you're going to have this mood talking back. Are you okay with that? And when I create a context like that, it's amazing what will happen. And I might end up crying and having this big aha and asking them to forgive me for something that I had no intention of. But because I was willing to create a context and honor what is true for me, to me, what I'm saying is I'm open to anything happening. And I'm also not going to deny what I'm present to and what I'm doing with what I'm present to. For the last two years, I've let myself be really angry, Keenan, like pissed. And I've let the critic and the perfectionist in me come up and speak. Like if you see my Google reviews, you're going to be like, dude, this guy's harsh. Because in a restaurant today and I took a picture of their, their fart fan on the top. It was filthy. And I'm like, this tells me a lot about the cleanliness of your restaurant. You want me to eat here? Clean your fart fan. And that feels good. It feels good to honor that part of me on objects. It doesn't feel good to honor that part of me on people. Hmm. Yeah. So in terms of working out some of those emotions, because we, you know, we all have layers of emotions and a lot of them have been repressed and from time before. And yeah, it's a, it's a nice reminder of what you're saying around my own permission. First of all, around vulnerability. And, and I'm also seeing a little bit more that, you know, because it, it vulnerability sometimes feel, feels like to me, you know, the term that the frequency of that word is, is like I'm going to enter some into some kind of level of weakness, but it it's really just yes. honesty. It is and, weakness, though, Ken. Kenan, it is. It is. I I want to validate that use of that word. It is. It's it's conscious weakness. You're you're showing your belly. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well. I guess what I'm what I'm feeling into is that there's such a strength in that. Mm -hmm. And it's just it's just truth. It's just honesty. Yeah, there's a weakness, but there's also a strength in the weakness. And a weak moment isn't just weak. No, but but the it's like getting pregnant. You know, can you imagine like can you imagine being a woman who wants to get pregnant in camp? How vulnerable is that? Mm. Every time she makes love, she's hoping. To me, the strength is not an automatic effect of being of acknowledging your weakness. You're potentiating the recognition of something within you that is dormant, and it will not show itself to you until you show it your helpless, powerless weakness. 
in full honesty. That's the way we designed this matrix. Yeah, and, it's, yeah. and it's when I turn my belly over and go, I am so scared. Right there, that thing stirs and goes, I'm about to tell you the truth. I'm about to let you feel what you really are. Right. And that the heart of this for me, the heart of codependency is it's an initiation into your divinity being incarnated. I mean, every single master enlightened being has gone through the initiation of codependency and self-sabotage. My favorite is Jesus. Completely codependent. What's more self-sabotage than getting crucified? And then going, and then going, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. And to do it consciously, to like step mm-hmm. into pure codependency consciously. God, I have been completely spirit, whatever you call great, great spirit is my favorite thing right now. Whatever you call that, I'm willing to show the human experience fully to myself and to those who I love and who love me. I'm willing to be embarrassed for love. Yeah. And, and in that process, there's not anything to be, to be afraid of anymore. Yeah. I in, think in when you get pooped respect, out the other side. Yeah. I think as you yeah. get pooped out the other side, you go, God, I was scared. This is what I thought was going to happen. <laughs> Didn't happen. It was amazing. I'll never be afraid of that again. Now what's the next thing? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's I, I think that's the the part about the weakness that I it because it I it just feels like that's the only piece that I mean it's not to like I I really don't believe I'm turning away from from wanting to to be weak, you know, in this in this moment of describing vulnerability. But it's something I, I feel into as a thing that's not commonplace for people. You know, we're we're not necessarily just you know showing our bellies, walking around to everyone, you know. And to to me, it's kind of, it's I mean, you know, I guess my own judgment on it, but it's kind of a problem because we're not really it's like that's what makes it kind of matrixy it's you know the i feel like the experience we're longing for is is our own authenticity and i guess i i feel like i feel it's important to to bring like a highlight into the other side of that word that that it's weakness and it's strength because it really is and and on the it's so weird though. I mean, it's right. I guess it's just part of the design. I mean, we, we, 
we have these fears about being seen for what we are, for for feeling what we are, for thinking what we are, for you know whatever it is, and then it happens, and there's like this kind of like it's almost like you you killed an animal or you you know you did something where it's like oh I can relax or like you maybe mm-hmm. you 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 dodge some kind of death. Mm-hmm. Because there's more aliveness. There's there's like a deeper aliveness that happens in that moment. And in that place, there, there's more access to love. The, the fear is not as present. And yeah, I, I think the, the codependent patterns seem to really occur from that place that that it's in the space of fear. It's in, yeah. it's in, it's in the space of resisting that yes. if I'm vulnerable, then I'll be weak. <laughs> yes. Yes. And if I'm weak, I'll get rejected and then I'll never get love. That's the yeah. pattern we run. That's the, that serves our unconsciousness. Yeah. yeah and it, it insert any other story in there of, yeah, if I'm weak, then, you know, I won't be seen. I won't be heard. I'll be rejected. I'll you know, whatever it is, I'll be abandoned, I'll be betrayed, I'll, mm-hmm. there's all the different subconscious pieces. And, and at this, in this weird moment where we we move into a place where we're just authentic. And and then we, we witness the thing happening, like, just for example, uh, one of the things that's been going on in my life has been this kind of conflict with time, mm-hmm. like chronological time, and I, I've been really craving the timeless. And I've really been giving myself a lot more of that. And sometimes with these meetings and, and things that are, you know, require punctuality, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm actually enjoying a little bit more flex there, even though I'm also enjoying being there on time. Mm. So, but there's been almost this fear, like noticing myself running this, like kind of rushing energy, like I, I, I better not be late you know? Mm-hmm. And it's like, what is that? Interesting. Like, what yeah. is that thing? And then to kind of play with it, like, for example, this would be one thing that um, I guess I could, I could suggest, but I would also share in terms of what I've been playing with is just being laid on purpose. Mm-hmm. Like, all right, the thing that I fear is being late. Mm-hmm. Like, whatever that is, whether it's that I'll be rejected, I'll be seen as lazy, I'll be seen as some maybe aspect of a man that I don't, I don't want to be. Mm-hmm. So I'm resisting something that, you know, cause I'm all of it. I'm, tr- I'm truthfully all of it. I have all human traits. Yes. So, so anytime I'm trying to avoid anything, I'm, I'm kind of lying to myself. You know I mean? I'm, I'm late sometimes I am late. I'm also punctual, mm-hmm. but if the thing that I fear is being late, what if I just go into that? What if I, what if I consciously be late? And experience the, the the great monster of what happens when I'm late. Yeah. And maybe some guy yells at me. Maybe mm. maybe somebody points a finger at me and says, "You're you're late, man. You know, mm-hmm. you're mm-hmm. a piece of shit. Whatever it is." Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then I get to experience, "Hey, that wasn't so bad." Mm-hmm. And then it kind of breaks down the fear. And so I th- there's that's been kind of fun. It's just wow, I'm late and nothing happened. Mm. 
How cool. And then, and now, now the energy is diffused, it's dispersed. And I'm not necessarily running around with that rushing quality. I'm like, Oh, if I'm late, it's, that's actually going to be okay. So I can be late, but then in my release of, of wanting, of resisting being late and allowing myself to be late, I can be on time. It's brilliant. Can I ask you some questions about this? Can we play a little bit? Yeah. Okay, so so what's the core feeling that you notice around time that you don't like? Hmm. And feeling, I mean, angry, fear, sad, or any of those categories. It's closer to anger. Yeah. Frustration. Yeah. Okay, yeah. so time and time and anger. So if you let yourself really feel that anger towards time, what would you say to time from that space? And if anger, let me give you this context. What I teach kids, the kids in my life, is that anger is a dragon inside of you. And that dragon knows what serves you and knows what doesn't serve you. And when you turn your anger, that dragon towards things that don't serve you and you let it blow its fire, it will end those things for you ideas and concepts so if you're if your anger towards time is a dragon what would that dragon say keenan to time without filter if you're willing yeah i'm just going to take a moment to feel this one yeah please do You ruin the fun. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. You ruined. That's great. That's so good. You ruined the fun. What now? Get no. If you're willing, again, if this feels good. Yeah, let's do it. Specific. What specific fun things has? Do you believe time is ruined for you? And be as specific as you can. So, so this is more of a past context. Yeah. Like that Up I until now, time has ruined. And we're going to say up until now, we're not saying it's ruining it Mm -hmm. now, but we're saying up until now, you have held a belief that time has ruined these specific fun things, fun moments, fun Mm -hmm. relationships, whatever. So what specifically in my past experience was it regarding in terms, yeah, what was ruined in terms of the fun? I think it was the, so what I'm feeling is the, the relation, the, um, hmm, the connection, like the harmony, the harmony and the, and connections with people. And then think of a specific person. You don't have to say them out loud. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I can, I got somebody. Okay. So get them in mind. And then look at and then imagine them at a certain distance from you that feels good to have them at from you now. So imagine they're in your in your in front of you, but they're at a distance. So so they could be really small, like they're far away, or they could be, you know, right in front of you. So set them at a certain distance. And once you have that, let me know. All right. Got it. And then put that see time between you and them. Hmm. Whatever that looks like for you. 
could be something they said, it could be something that happened in time and space. Okay. Got it. Now I want you to be like Khaleesi from Game of Thrones. I want you to unleash your dragon on the space between you and them and let that dragon unleash his motherfucking fire completely on everything between you and them. Visualize it. Burn it to the fucking ground. And then tell me what happens in you. Because I can feel it already. That feels really good. Yeah, I know. Wow. I can feel that in you. Yeah, big release, like right mm -hmm. on my chest. Breathe mm -hmm. easy. Mm -hmm. Wow. So the imagination to me is the hostage mm. of codependency. Mm. Mm -hmm. oh, yeah, yeah, nice. Wow. Yeah, that's good. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, because fear... Fear keeps us in a place, even neurophysiologically, that we cannot access creativity in our imagination. Yes. Yeah. Wow. And we're yeah. repeating. We're we're the, the imagination is now a slave of repeating patterns. Right. So the, and then the repeat and the patterning and the repatterning and the the vicious cycle of patterns occurs because of an inaccess to our creativity slash imagination. Yes, because we're using yeah. it to recreate the same thing. Right. Even it's with not... different content over and over and over. The irony is that the, the hostage keeper is the imagination. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but you but but you forget. It's like you've forgotten. You put God in a cage and then you told God, see me in prison. God says, okay. Because love is a slave to God. You are so loved. We are so loved that we could say to love, here's what I'm seeing. And love goes, done. I want to be a slave for 12 years in, in you know, Louisiana during the time of slavery. Okay. Done. Have fun. Mm -hmm. And I want them to make a movie about it at some point in the 20th century called 12 Years a Slave. And I want everyone to see the depth and height and width of love. Okay. Mm. <laughs> so for me, codependency, self-sabotage are the key to my divinity. The more I'm willing to be conscious of where I'm denying what I'm feeling, where I'm denying what I'm thinking, where I'm denying what I want, where I'm making it about what they're doing or they're, where I'm making it about what's happening, about behavior and words. When I catch myself in that, I go, ah, God, oh, oh, I am so good at getting caught up. I took the bait again. <laughs> they got me. They got me good. High five. Like, you got me. You triggered me. I attacked. Ah, I'm sorry. Oh, forgive me. I forgive myself. Oh, so good. Thank you for helping me continue to realize I don't need to do this anymore. Hey, what are you doing? <laughs>
you doing? Does that make sense? This is a dog for the listeners. Yeah, that's Aka. She was just literally, when I was talking to you, she was literally over here asleep in a dream, twitching, shaking. And I put my foot on her to wake her up. Yeah, why? Because I I can tell that her body's showing me she's not dreaming something she's enjoying. Yeah. So wake her up gently, smile at her. Hi, Mm. honey. Papa's here. I call myself Papa. Papa's here. I love you. You're okay. And, and love does the same thing for me. When I'm honest with myself, love can then wake me up and go, you're all right. I got you. It was a dream. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, so I guess I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about how you define codependency then because it, it just it's such a um, opener for me into a, a new way of thinking about it. And I, I'm, I'm wanting more, I'm wanting like more out of this. What is, what is this um, quality and codependency that you love so much or that you, that you've connected to that you, you feel like you're able to lean into? It's, it's, it's the gift of God to my curiosity that said, what would it be like to forget what I am? What would it be like to wander in worlds and endless worlds in which I can explore the many aspects of myself? Well, God goes, well, I've heard of this thing called codependency. Anybody know about it? (laughs) You know, and Lucifer's like, I got this. and I, I, I truly believe like the Lucifer within me created this matrix of separation, which allowed me to, to, to create an attachment to form. Form in and of itself is, is the, for me, the desire to see what it's like to forget myself, what I truly am. Mm-hmm. But form doesn't remain that. It's not like when you transcend form doesn't matter to you anymore form matters to you now because now it's the reflection of your own divinity where first it was a reflection of your prism prison of dependency and attachment as you honor it as you get honest as you open up as you grow vulnerable as you allow it to dissolve you know the way of mastery defines love as that which embraces all things in all ways and at all times and jesus who is the the author of that says you know, you're only struggling with the things in your life you have yet to embrace. So when yes. I'm struggling yes. with something, I look at it and go, I, I just, I, I refuse to love this. I refuse to forgive it. Here's my judgment of it. And I get honest with myself. Like, here's my judgment of it. I want it to die. I want it to, to, to be punished. I want it to feel what I have felt. Because I believe that will somehow teach it a lesson and it'll never hurt me again. When love's response is, oh, I feel hurt and I believe you've hurt me and I'm sorry. I realized I hurt myself and then I blamed you. Or I realized you said something and I I felt hurt by it 
and I didn't say that to you. I withheld that from you. I'm sorry. I'd like I'd like to I'd like to start again with you, and I'd like to let you know that that if in this relationship you feel hurt by what I say, or I feel hurt by what you say, that we're willing to acknowledge that. At least I will. I hope you will. I'll ask you to, but I commit to letting you know when you speak to me and I feel hurt, I'm going to say so. Because to me, the root of codependency is hurt. And the root of hurt is a sense of separation. And the root of of to me of separation was a conscious meta choice to see what it would be like to forget love. How far will love let me go away from it? How far will love let me deny its presence? And I have gone as far, I believe this, I have gone as far as you can go. And once you get there, you automatically go, got enough, I'm turning around. Hey, love, I'm returning. I love, you get to spend this incredible, have this experience and time of space of returning to love. Miracles, synchronicities, incredible relationships, enlightenments, awakenings, all the great buzzwords out there, 5D, 60, 70, all of it. Yeah. You, the angels, the masters, the, the elementals, God, God alone, that I am, whatever, Elohim, all of it, all of it, you get all of it comes back to you, little by little, bit by bit, and each of it comes to you and goes, mm, I love you. Thank you for taking your journey. Thank you for going as far as you could go. You're so brave. I want to hear all the things that you have learned about yourself, about the nature of your very source. Teach us, Master. Mm -hmm. I love that. Yeah, because it's it points to the point of forgetting and going into the codependency for to learn at least that's the way i'm seeing it right now yeah and how and to learn it's to learn what what else would duality be for you know? exactly except for experience yeah which learning slash experience same and desire is yeah. the engine of experience like without desire like people will tell you desires are bad it's stupid that's just dumb to me absolutely it, it, it's you know, the thing even that drives beings, revolution. Yeah, it's like the aligned master goes, you know, desire is futile. Well, 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 why are you here? Why are you talking? Why are you making your appearance, oh great enlightened one? Mm. Is it just some accident? I don't know. You're full of shit. You denial of desire. Yeah, you have desired, just like me, to be here, to have this experience. It's because of desire that you exist and know that you exist whoa now it's like i get it where people are like you know i desire for a woman who's 36 34 32 she's five now you know all that i get i get like and it, but that's just you know in one sense that's just as legit because how are you ever going to remember how powerful you are until you actually manifest the perfect mate 
and then realize it's still shit. It's, it, it doesn't, it satisfies to an extent, but not completely. But you can look at that thing you manifest and be like, thank you so much. You're, you're a, a step towards my remembrance of my divinity. Thank you for how you've served me. Like my journey through Christianity, God, it served me so well in realizing like what I truly desire. It helped me purify and get down to the core desire. I want Jesus. I want God. I want the spirit. Got down to, I want to feel loved. I want to feel, which, what, what does that look like? I want to feel accepted. I want someone to look at me. I want to, I want to look at myself and go like, oh, oh, I don't, it's not words. Just be like, you know, you ever look in the mirror and you're just like, mm, you, you. <laughs> What's yeah, better that's, than that's, this, Keenan? I you know, like, what, yeah. What's a better right? message than totally. smiling at somebody? Like, <laughs> like what's more yeah. profound than that? Yeah, I mean, not much. I mean, depending on your perspective. Right? The picture yeah. of God is just God like, <laughs> here's the greatest thing I've ever shown you. <laughs> yeah, I think that's why the Mona Lisa captures us, huh? It's just, it's just a smile. Just a smile. A perfect smile. Yeah, the, perfect the, I, I was trying to. I was trying to remember what I what I thought I had. You got me thinking about the, the desire, and this ties into. I bring this up all the time. The existential kink. Mm -hmm. The desire for separation for codependency, mm -hmm. for fear, mm -hmm. for forgetting, for mm -hmm. duality, for, you know, non-unity, non-5D, non-angels, whatever, in, into the darkness. Um, and I don't, I mean, I, I kind of see it as just this thrill ride we're taking to, to get to experience who we are again, or, you know, the, all the, the beauty, beautiful, facets or faces of love and recognizing that I was there the whole time mm -hmm. um, but that experience like if you are love if you are God at some point you are oneness don't you desire to experience then you know what would it be like to forget all that it seems like that's a large part of why we're here is that you know we we wanted to experience that and that's if I, I love exist, existential kink as a concept because it brings us into that that dimension of our existence that that says everything is what I want ultimately. So if you're in a place where you you think you don't want that, it's like, hmm, really? Are you are you really being honest with yourself about that? Because mm. it seems like you did. Otherwise, yeah. it wouldn't have happened. Yeah. And if we can lean into that a little bit, like with the times that I do, it's like, oh, I wanted that. Yeah, I did. I, and just kind of have it, get to have it. It feels feels good to have some of these experiences where you just, maybe maybe it's not picturesque or ideal in terms of some social concept, but it was something that was designed in our experience that we probably designed at some point and yeah. get to get to have or you know 
or we can just be, I mean, and e even if we are caught in the illusion that, that, okay, I can't enjoy that. I can't experience the pleasure of that. So be it too. I mean, you also get to have that. <laughs> yes. And, and you get to and have, have the pain will. of it too. Yeah, the, the, to me, the difference between the enlightened being and the so-called non-enlightened being is the recognition that I can will myself into any state I, I so choose. I can will myself into the totally indifferent, enlightened, blissful state at will. So what? That's that. I can do that. I do that in the mornings. I'll go, I go into these states and it's like, oh. I, I, I will literally like be, be, I feel so good. I'm so alive. I am so one with everything. And then <laughs> I will consciously go, and I'm still curious about this crazy chaos over here. <laughs> and I'm not abandoning one for the other. I'm going to do everything I can to bring an aspect of this into that. Yeah, nice. So, so the question that God asks herself every day in, in, in each and every moment is, what do I desire now? And it might be a cheeseburger. It might be to call a friend. It might be to jump on an airplane and go see someone in hospice. And to me, the bliss of God is her desire, is her command that her desire be fulfilled in a way that surprises even himself because if god is our consciousness as masculine and god is our subconscious as feminine the conscious is the seed by which the subconscious receives our desire and then brings it about when you recognize those two are one and the same and you recognize that you have choice to imagine whatever so your heart desires your masculine and feminine are now merged and your feminine's going, bring it, big boy. And you're so delighted to bring it to her because she exists to fulfill your imagination's desire. But the work, the forgiveness that, that is required for us to get to that place authentically is astounding. And anyone who tells you it's easy is full of shit. Forgiveness is work because it's contradictory to our 1D, 2D, 3D self. And even half of our 4D self is like, really, do I, do you know what an, do you know, I can show you the facts of what this person did. <laughs> and at like, I tell people at like 4.6D is where you go. And that hurts me. To judge another person, even if I have all the reason, literally hurts me. When you realize that, then you start going, okay, there's something to this. And I remember daily, several years ago, being like consciously hating people, hating and having all the reasons to wish them dead and for places to burn to the ground and for the FBI to show up with guns and to consciously go, Beloved object, I forgive you. <laughs> I forgive you for what I've made of you. I choose to, and I'm doing this by pure faith. Like I'm not having any feelings about it. I choose to forgive you. I choose by faith 
to release you and release myself. And I would do it over and over again. Until mm. one day there would come a recognition of the root of the unforgiveness. Which would be where I'm saying yes, where to someone where I don't mean it. Delusion. Over myself, I think I am all by myself. Keenan. Keenan White left. There he's back. There he is. The faces that it freezes with, <laughs> your face, are the best. <laughs> oh, yeah. You're like, <laughs> Nice. <laughs> uh, uh, this internet's given out in this in part of the house for whatever reason. Um, you're right in the thick of it. I can't recall where, all, where you're all I'm saying off, is but... here's here there's here's four things I give people. To forgive is to forget. To forget is to remember, and to remember is to recognize. Did I lose you again? Or you no, you're okay. So sometimes you yeah. freeze. So to forgive means to forget. So what does that mean? It means when I choose to consciously, when I feel disturbed, okay, I have, I, I only feel disturbed because a judgment has come home. A judgment that I have said yes to in the past has come back. When I go, when I think I'm disturbed and I rationalize why I'm disturbed, I'm just going to recreate it and carry on the pattern. That's a fact, friends. In John's world, that's a fact. When I go, oh, I'm disturbed, I'm pissed, I'm angry, I'm sad, I'm afraid. Oh, a judgment has come home. Hello, judgment. What's the judgment? And I'll let the judgment be there. And it might be like a, an array of judgments. And I let them be there and I acknowledge them. And if I have a conscious friend around me who can handle it, I'll ask him, hey, I'd like to share this out loud with you. Are you available to witness, to hold this space while I do so? If they aren't, I take a walk. Or if I start to and then they get triggered, I'm like, I'm sorry, I'm going to take a break. I need to go work this out on my own. So I go outside and I, I unleash. I say all the things. I feel all the things. I let the dragon up. I call the dragon is anger. I call the giant fear. And I call the caterpillar. Or, uh, yeah, and sadness to me is a caterpillar waiting to become a butterfly. So I let it all out. And when I let it all out, and I say all the things, and then I ask my spirit, show me the root of this. Show me where I misperceived. Show me where I judged. I'll see it. Sometimes not immediately. It might be a day or so, but all of a sudden I'll see it, and there'll be a release. I'll cry. I'll laugh. There'll be a release. I will then forget that ever happened. Yeah, I, I feel you on that one. Yeah. Because it's and just if no I don't there. forget, It's a weird yeah. feeling. If I don't forget it, it hasn't been forgiven. Yeah, that makes sense to me. Yeah. Once I it's forget, no there it's just yes. Yeah, you're, you're not bothered. You're not. It can't get to you anymore. It's not there. It's just not yeah. there. There's people who can say shit to me now, and, and you know, years ago I would have been like, Grr! now I'm like, oh, that's hilarious because it's been forgotten. When I forget, what do I remember? I remember love. I remember choice. I remember I can, I have, I am, I love, I enjoy, I create. I remember my sovereignty. 
now that I remember that, I recognize, oh, I recognize the desire of my heart. And here's what I'd like to create now. Here's what I'd like to manifest. And now I set my dominion of my mind to serve only my imagination. And my imagination is set on good things. There's a scripture in the Bible that I've always loved. It says, eye is not seen, ear is not heard, nor has it entered into the heart of man, the things that God has prepared for those who love her. My imagination knows the things that God has prepared for me. When I show God, spirit, whatever you want to call it, that my imagination now serves my heart, my imagination shows me the will of God, that I prosper and be in health, that I love and serve gracefully and honestly and gently. And I can't help but live that way. So I spend hours sitting in my bed like a little kid thinking, letting my heart show me, oh, I, I see I have so many friends and oh, we, we, we have houses all over the world and we travel to each other's houses and we go on adventures together and I see us here and I see us there and I see us doing this and I see us doing that. And I let my imagination and my heart sing their song. Now the work Keenan is to not fuck that up when I'm done with that by going into my head, by, by trying to figure out how by thinking that I need to share that with everyone around me, that they need to know those desires for them to be fulfilled. No, I go quiet, I be still, and I trust. God knows my heart. God knows the desire of my heart. I trust God to fulfill it in her timing. In so me. And I, when I, yeah. Does this make so sense? For, it does, yeah. I'm tracing it back to your steps there. For, mm. Forgive to forget, which opens you up. So it's forgive to forget. That's two. You, there's four. For, forget to remember. Forget to when remember. When I forget, I remember. When I remember, remember, I recognize. Yeah. Okay. And when I recognize, I'm now aware that I am a conscious creator. I am that I am. The power of forgiveness yeah it's it's everything to me it, it's the key to everything is forgiveness yeah it's so funny because i was reading uh just i haven't really been reading much lately but i, I pulled open uh don miguel ruiz mm-hmm. self-mastery master of self mm-hmm. and it's just in that section where it talks about forgiveness and yeah, it's a ga- it's a gateway into the rest of the teachings about self mastery. But I'm really feeling a, a resounding truth around the power of forgiveness, and and also seeing its um, its role in sovereignty and completing this game of codependency. Yeah. So go what- ahead, everyone. Go ahead. On you know, it's like saying to everybody. <laughs> Go ahead, say all the things you want to say about me. Let's see if I trigger. And if I do, I'm going to thank you. Yeah. Because you're only going to show me where I have yet to forgive. And I'm committed to forgiving. 
and I may not want to forgive, I may resist it, but you will, you will cue, cue me into where I have yet to forgive. Thank you, beloved friend. Yeah, and it seems to me here too uh, that forget forgiving is another word for healing, or it's another word of yes, lo good. love in its expression. Yeah, it's that capacity yeah. to release yourself from what you've done to yourself. Because yeah, we which, know what we've done to ourselves. We know it. I know where I've lied. I know where I've cheated. I know where I've stolen. I know where I've, you know, said it in a way that hoped it would make it all work. I know where I have lied. And I will feel guilty about that until I clean that up within me and go, yeah, I lied. And why did I lie? Because I was afraid. And I'm going to stop denying that. I don't have to go tell everyone my lies. I can just say, you know what? There was a lot going on. And here's the fundamental truth. I was scared. And I was rationalizing all kinds of stuff to try and avoid telling you that I was scared. And I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. And so there's this whole other world on, on the other side of this. And it feels worthwhile, you know, because I, I feel like one of the points that is standing out to me too for, for those that are listening still listening is that this this is not always a walk in the park and, and that that's why it's so nice to have support so nice yes. to have somebody walking you through this process so, yes so two things what one what's on this the other side of this co codependency and self-sabotage and of course I, I think we touched on that quite a bit but maybe you know, maybe you would connect it to why somebody might want to work with you, for example. And that's the second thing. Yeah. Just bringing, bringing you, you in also as well, because, um, yeah, you're doing your thing out there. I, I appreciate your art and it's Thank not you. to get to necessarily get people to sign up. Right. But maybe yeah. a conversation to start, to start things. And, and I, and I, I'm always curious just about, yeah, a coach's take on this as well you know it's it's a funny profession to be in yeah. and sometimes i wonder you know why why am i doing the thing that i'm doing anybody could be doing this but there's an art to it and there's a, there's a certain um there's a certain process that can really catalyze and accelerate this forgiveness path this healing path that we're all on so why 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 do it why even What's on the other side? Why are we doing yeah, this? I, I'd say the, the, the byproduct of codependency and self-sabotage is joy and enthusiasm. Think about how enthusiastically codependent we can be. Like when we're in love with someone and we totally attach, we're like, <laughs> or something, you know? <laughs> like the enthusiasm is staggering sometimes when you see somebody love struck. And then you can also see the joy of their self-sabotage, like how brilliantly they'll deny themselves that it's just about that person and how great that person is and how beautiful they are and how it's the sex and, and all the things, you know? So what's fascinating is, is those states. It's not like we're going, it's not like something's changing, but what we're doing is becoming conscious of how our states are shifting based on our relationship with the world around us. So when I go, oh, I would like to live in more enthusiasm and joy, that means I'm going to then become conscious of 
where I have attachments and I'm displacing my joy and enthusiasm onto the circumstance of that relationship. I would like to take that back. Therefore, I'm gonna clean up that relationship first in myself and then with them. And my joy and enthusiasm now return to a very natural state in which I'm creating from joy and enthusiasm and extending from myself creation to bless creation, not to create attachments, not to reinforce how much people need me. You don't need me. You don't need a coach. Now, the question is, is what do you want from life? And like you said, Keenan, it was so good. What sort of support do you have for that? When you have someone whom you have chosen to allow you to really be seen, be heard, be felt, be understood, what would you imagine that would be like? What, what would you imagine would be the fruit of letting yourself be seen, be heard, and be felt, and be understood? So for me, the people that, that find coaching useful are people who are going, I want to know myself. And I know that that's going to require me letting someone else see me in ways I have yet to let myself see myself. I'm going to let someone else birth in me a version, a vision, a perception of myself that I have not yet let in. And I'm going to, I'm going to step into the vulnerable practice of sharing with them where I feel worthless, where I feel hopeless, where I feel helpless, where I feel like shit is fucked. And I'm going to let them hear that. And I'm going to let them walk me through a process of forgiving myself. And, and it's that simple for me. So if that's you, call me. Just call me. I'll put my, I can, can I get my phone number out on this? Yeah. Yeah. yeah we can 720. You can say 329-0677. Just call me. If you get my voicemail, just leave a message saying, John, I want to have, a, I want to talk. We'll talk. That's it. Like, just like you and I are having a conversation. The thing that I love doing, oh, the dog. Hey, quit. Hey, hey, quit it. Okay, hold on. My dog, quit. You are so codependent. All right. <laughs> I love telling her that. Look at this. Look at this. She just kisses me. You are so, such a self-sabotager. Okay, stop. Go lay down. Go lay down. Um, just like you and I, Keenan, you know, like when we talk, we have wonderful conversations. I realize when I talk to you, subtle things about myself. I know that when I talk to Keenan, I'm going to feel better about myself at the end of that conversation. Because I know you and I share the same values and you're going to help remind me of what's really important to me. And that's to me all a coach really does is they help you get down to what's really important to you and what you're doing with that knowledge, that understanding. Based on what you desire, really. Yeah. 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 Well, thank you. I mean, I feel the same way about you as well. It's always, I think I was creating the metaphor last time. It's like going to have ice cream when we have conversation. <laughs> right. Just, just so sweet. I'll take a scoop of Keenan, please. Some peanuts. <laughs> so many flavors and so many you know, flavors. options here. Yeah. Oh, what flavor of ice cream would you be if you were, you know, if, if a Keenan Keenan was a flavor of ice cream, what would it be? I'm curious now. 
Oh man. It's a tough one. I, I mean, mm. probably something that's just got everything in it, you know, a little taste of some fruit, like a rainbow, a little mm -hmm. shortbread, cookie dough, mm -hmm. chocolate chips. Mm. Wow. You know, not too much fudge. Yeah. More on the caramel, <laughs> like a little edgy, you know. <laughs> Salted caramel? Like it's like chocolatey, it. but you know, we're gonna get some strawberries in there too. Sprinkles, I don't know about that. I'm not not such a fan. Uh, let's, let's bring in maybe some bananas. Yeah. I yeah. like it. I like it a lot. Mm -hmm. I'll take a scoop for sure. It may be nice. the only scoop I ever have, but I would I would have a scoop of Keenan for sure. Just to see. <laughs> and in you, I mean, now we got to ask you. Mine there... would be definitely would have magic mushrooms in it, honeycomb, and ginger. <laughs> that would be uh, that would be my flavor of ice cream. It'd be you know the. I would take a scoop of that for sure. Children yeah. of Light. Cone for sure. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, you know, it's funny choosing the coaching that i have and realizing how it's so funny to pay for it you know because it's it's like why do i i don't have to pay for that i don't i need to pay why, why would i ever pay that much for a coach yep. but every time i have or every time i've invested some amount of resource or energy or time into having one which usually it requires um i've always just been blown away at, at how valuable it is yes it's such an intrinsic value value that that i i just feel like expressing that i'm appreciating um from the coaching i'm receiving now and kind of not even you know necessarily i didn't necessarily i wasn't necessarily seeking it out but i chose mm -hmm. it and i i realized that i desired it more fully to kind of bring myself through more of this process and realizing that as soon as I think that it, it's over, it's it's probably when it's not, you know, there's, there's always layers and there's always ways of working through some of these things, playing playing through the process, if you want to call it that, because it's not always that, you know, it's not always that much like work, even though it is also. Um, so whether that makes sense or not, <laughs> Yeah, it I, is I love worth it. it. I mean, it, it yeah. feels at the end of the day that somebody is deeply listening and caring mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and supporting me through my process. And it just, it just, it's got a quality to it that feels, I mean, I'm very, I'm very grateful for it. I, I don't know where I'd be without it. So it's brilliant. And you're paying them well. And there's, and when you do that, I mean, what you're doing energetically is is so powerful. To pay someone well to listen to you and to be honest with you. It's incredible. And it's paradoxically confrontive of everything we've ever been taught about what support is. Because most people just call their mom or their best friend and they just and they, you know, socially coach each other. And it totally belittles and in one sense to me, misqualifies the energy of transformation yeah it's a good that's point. available it's a very fair point yeah yeah and i think that's why it's a, it's a confusing industry or, or profession or field because of that because anyone can do it quote unquote but the quality of that doing it is few and far between 
what is actually worthwhile, valuable. Yes, because of tra uh, transformational. Yes, a, a, a enlightened coach or a, a being that can actually coach you. In that first conversation with them, you will know. You will know. And they could tell you it's a million dollars and you'll be like, okay, where do I send the wire? Or who do I have to call to get a million dollars? You will know. And, and the people who work with me, they know it. I could tell them whatever I want, whatever is true for me in the moment. When they know it, they know it. And getting there as a coach, getting to that kind of clarity in yourself is the point of becoming a coach. To, be, to choose to become a coach is to deal with self-sabotage and codependency completely and bring it to closure in your life. Because you'll only stay in the coaching industry if you're truly committed. And I'm not saying you have to be a coach. You can do this in any field. But I know for me in the coaching field that it the choice to be a coach and to step out and to offer that to people has been a choice to directly confront my own sense of codependency and self-sabotage. And it is good medicine. Yeah. yeah, it's good. It's good medicine. Thank you, John. It is. You're welcome, Keenan. Appreciate your time today. I, I believe it was well worth the listen for whoever's out there. And I look forward to always more of these conversations. Yeah, I hope Bless you come you. see me in San Diego soon. Thank yeah, you, Keenan. I would absolutely love to. Mm -hmm.